Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but I don't know where. Goodbye, Rose. It's the Queen of Corona. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Good morning, 810 News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. It's Pensacon Weekend. And Julio Diaz, who is one of the key organizers for Pensacon, he is also the host of Let's Go Pensacola, Saturdays at 4, and also the Pensacola Movie Club, where they watch movies and talk about them on Facebook, but in real life, they organize on Facebook. Julio, welcome back, sir. Hey, good morning, Andrew. Two days in a row, once in person. You were here yesterday with Lou, and then today, of course, on the uh, on the phone. I, I know you didn't watch anything last night, but uh, what do you what do we have out this week? Uh, Drive away well, dolls? Is that the first one? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I definitely hope we get the hat trick because I hope you're going to come see us at Pensacom this weekend. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. I'll be yeah, there. So I three, think three today is kind of my plan. So yes, make, if not the it, costume contest tomorrow, four or five days in a row, we can you know, keep the party going. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, drive, drive away dolls is probably the biggest release this year. So. Uh, you're, I'm sure you're probably familiar with the Cohn brothers. A lot of people are, of course, you know, filmmakers that have worked together for years and years. They're brothers. They did, uh, everything from, uh, Miller's Crossing, Raising Arizona, they won the Oscars for, but yeah. yeah, exactly. So like weirdly in like the last year or two, they've been working separately. And, huh. and last year, Joel, Joel Cohen put out a, uh, a version of Macbeth that, uh, got a couple of Oscar nominations. And now this is Ethan Cohen's uh, solo debut. And it's kind of weird because I think we're kind of seeing the which brother brought which movies to the table with this uh. because it seems like Joel, Joel Cohen may have been one behind the more serious stuff. Ethan Cohen's doing a caper comedy. We've never seen the Cohen brothers do a caper comedy before, right? Yeah. Oh, hey. Yes, we, we have. have. Many times and many, many Everything, Every single uh, one they do. Yeah. So, uh, so this is a caper comedy. The reviews are kind of middling on this, which surprises me. Uh, so this is a movie I've been looking forward to seeing. Uh, but a, a caper comedy about uh, two young women who are trying to get themselves out of the doldrums, and they go on a road trip to Tallahassee. For some reason, <laughs> I don't know why. Nice. Why Tallahassee would improve anybody's mood, but you know, hey. And uh, you do you, and uh, of course they run afoul of some inept criminals along the way. Got it. All right. Yeah, the, the Cohen brothers are like to me. They're like M Night Shyamalan. They're great when they're great, and when they're not great, it's really not my favorite thing at all. But I'm glad you know I always watch one of their movies. So. Uh, Ordinary Angels and Demon Slayer also this week, right? Yes, correct. Uh, Demon Slayer obviously be, will be a big one for the Pentacon audience. That is an anime film, uh, you know, the long-running series, a very, very popular series. And this is the latest film. Uh, you know, with the anime, you usually get the, the episodic TV series, and when they get big enough, they start doing films too. So All right. this, is, this is one of those. And Ordinary Angels. The reviews of the week too. Oh, okay. Ordinary uh, Angels. Yes. Yeah. Ordinary Angels is a drama with Hilary Swank and uh, Alan Richmond, who you probably know from Reacher. Uh, she plays a uh, hairdresser who's kind of down on life. She meets this widower played by Alan Richmond, who has a sick kid, and she becomes determined to help the kid. And, okay. Uh, drama ensues. What? Uh, what do they need? Let's, since it's Pensacon Day, let's make sure and tell people some things they need to know. We don't have a lot of time, but I want to let people know. There's always stuff that you want people to know that they don't know until they get there. What's the key things here they need to know this year? Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is uh, the, the campus has changed a little bit. We are uh, primarily headquartered at the Pensacola Bay Center, as always. But uh, pretty much all of our panels, our gaming, our film festival, our, our workshops, the costume contests, all that kind of stuff, 
will be taking on place on campus of the First United Methodist Church of Pensacola, oh. uh, which has been great. It's actually a really sprawling campus. There is a lot of space in there. So I don't want people to feel like we have shrunk because we absolutely haven't. We actually are, have more activity going on than we ever have and more space to do it in. So we're very excited about that. It's only a couple of blocks from the Bay Center. So if you don't want to wait for the trolley, it's very a very yeah. easy walk. And, of course, our, our trolley will still go around downtown Pensacola and visit uh, many of our partner businesses. Of course, you know, many of the restaurants and bars in downtown Pensacola join in with, with themes, and uh, so you'll be able to easily get to them as well. Where, where is the costume? Is the costume contest at the church? The costume contest will be at the church in the Roberts Center, which is the biggest auditorium over there. Oh, okay. Uh, and that will be Saturday night at 6 p.m. Very cool. So, I, like and the racks and the uh, Sanger and the, some of those venues, are you not using them at all this year, or just using them sparsely, or...? We are not using those venues this year. Interesting. Okay, no, I didn't know about that. I'm glad to ask you the question because that's a total change in in um, in you know operations. So that's very very useful to know. Uh, and of course, we have a massive number of guests coming this year, and it's I mean it's always it's impressive the kind of people that you guys get. Yeah. If you like entertainment, we have something for you. Don't think that we're just <laughs> science fiction and fantasy and horror and comics. We've got comedy. We've got music. Like I said, you know, if you like anything in entertainment, I promise you there's somebody here that has done something you like. It absolutely is true. And tickets are still available three-day and one-day? They are. You can get them at Pensacon.com, or you can come right up to the front uh, front of the Pensacola Bay Center. Our uh, our ticket booth is open right now. It opened at 8 a.m. And it will be a feast for the eyes to see all the different things that people dress up in and, you know, to, just to watch all of the different things that are going on. There's no shortage of activities at Pensacon. Uh, now, when this is Pensacon, the 11th year, right? That's correct. Wow. Since the, it started the same year that I came here, no relation. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I'm glad I have been here for every single one of them. Julio Diaz, he is our pop culture editor and pop culture. She is our um, our host of the um, Facebook movie group, uh, the Pensacola Movie Club. He is also the host of Let's Go Pensacola on Saturdays, and of course, a key organizer for Pensacon. Julio, thanks for all the hard work putting things together, and uh, we'll see you today. Yeah, you can call me Pensacola's pop culture editor if you want. To. Okay, all right. You can okay, adopt a, an abandoned title now that we don't ever get to talk to Kate anymore because she took a, a different job. Uh, I, I maybe will adopt that. Uh, Julio, we'll see you later today. Thanks for the time, sir. All right. Thanks, Andrew. 816 News Radio 923. Jake's got traffic. Yes, I do. All right. So Highway 29 southbound is very, very slow, backed up all the way through Inslee up to Nine Mile this morning. We have a two car accident just after the on ramp to I 10 westbound. The right and center lanes have been blocked, so the left lane is the only one flowing at the moment. Uh, also, getting on to 29 from 10 in all the directions is just going to be really, really slow this morning. We also have on I 10 westbound just before the Escambia Bay Bridge. Uh, coming out of uh, Milton there, we have an overturned vehicle uh, that's really slowing things down there westbound on I-10 as you get over the water there. Uh, we also have uh, this just in from the traffic tip line south on Davis before the airport uh, accident in the right lane backing up on Davis there. If you see anything else out there slowing you down, you can always call or text our traffic tip line. That's 437-1620. I am Jake Walker with your traffic on the fives. Hi, I'm Billy Anderson with Anderson Subaru in Pensacola. Your road to adventure starts with the 2024 Subaru Outback and the 2024 Subaru Forester. Both come standard with symmetrical all-wheel drive for confidence along the way. The Subaru Outback, according to Kelly Blue Book, is one of the best family cars of 2023. And according to Auto Trader and my good friend Max here... (laughs) 
The Subaru Forester is one of the 2023 best cars for dog lovers. For information on all the awards and accolades from Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader on the Subaru brand, the Subaru Outback, and the Subaru Forester, visit kellybluebookkbb.com and autotrader.com. Whether you're a Forester family or an Outback family, your road to adventure starts in a Subaru. Get yours during the Subaru A Lot to Love event. Anderson Subaru, Highway 29, just north of Car City, Pensacola, online at andersonsubaru.com. Anderson's got a Subaru for you. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Auto Trader is a registered trademark and used with permission. Hey, this is Dr. Ben McMillan. I do a show on the Pensacola Expert Panel. We talk about your health problems. Let me educate you about the Activator Method of Adjusting, which offers a safe and effective alternative to traditional manual adjustments. So whether you've been hurt in a car accident or have been suffering from back or neck pain, chiropractic care could be your solution and not just a temporary fix. Join me this morning on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Gulf Coast businesses are set to lose over $5 million this month. I'm Nathan with Data Revolution, and this is your Cybersecurity Tip of the Month. It's the beginning of tax season, and scammers know the threat of an IRS audit gets people to pay. Know that the IRS will never initiate contact through email, and any email threatening an audit is just a scam. Businesses along the Gulf Coast trust Data Revolution for their cybersecurity and communications needs. Visit datarevs.com for more information. News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Informative, local, dependable. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for the Transgressors Memorial Service, remembering those who have transgressed against the great spirit of inclusion and must forever be cast into the abyss of dead names. Let's join Brother Andrew remembering those who we have lost. First, Machine Gun Kelly, who this week publicized his obscene decision to have his arms on the top half of his chest tattooed solid black. Now, depending on whom you ask, it either looks like a half-hearted version of Spider-Man's symbiote costume, or else a postmodern expression of redaction chic, or what some have simply called busted toner cartridge camouflage. Although some MGK fans are lamenting the loss of his Cleveland tattoos, we of course have no objection to anything that de-emphasizes Ohio. But of course, the real problem here is that Mr. Machine Gun turned his upper body into one of the most vulgar displays of black torso ever seen in this country. Not satisfied to be like most minstrel show racists who put on their black face, Kelly instead has turned himself into a two-toned mockery of all people who were assigned black at birth. Now, of course, we are willing to make accommodation for transracial persons in our woke history. We are inclusive after all, but there is a process to follow. And he did not follow it. He did not get permission from the North American Society for the Prevention of Cultural Appropriation, the NASPCA, not to be confused with the ASPCA, which of course prevents cruelty to animals, or with the ASCAP, the American Society of Composers and Producers, but I digress. As you all know, any white person who petitions to convert to blackness must first take the oral exam on black identity and history, then receive a two-thirds vote from the Racial Disaffiliation Subcommittee, and finally pass a rigorous screening under the Rachel Dolezal protocols before receiving a certificate of transracial sincerity. Mr. Kelly did none of this, 
and in so not doing, made a mockery of everything we have done to accommodate and include would-be transracialists such as himself. For thus so flagrantly engaging in this inky hate crime, Machine Gun Kelly, we cast thee out. You are not black. You will never be black, no matter how much ink is spilled about or inside of you. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. Second, actress Selma Blair. For second-degree felony Islamophobia, for her comments on a post by anti-immigrantist Abraham Hamra, who was criticizing our Congressional Squad heroines Rashida Tlaib and Cori Bush for voting against a bill that would have prevented anyone who participated in the October 7th Hamas Freedom Fighter action against Israel from immigrating to, to the United States. Blair commented, quote, Deport all those terrorists supporting goons. Islam has destroyed Muslim countries, and then they come here and destroy mines. They know they are liars, twisted justifications. May they meet their fate. After a proper scolding from the Council on American-Islamic Relations, Blair tried apologizing by saying she improperly conflated Muslims and radical Islamists and fundamentalists, and that she regrets the hurt her words caused so many decent Muslims. But this is no apology at all, for Blair, who is Jewish, is still maintaining the dangerous idea that there are good Muslims and bad Muslims. But of course, you all know that we do not deal in such distinctions. Muslims are good, period, especially when attacking Jews. Jews are good only when denouncing other Jews, and Christians, of course, can never ever be good. So when Selma Blair only recants half of her heresy under social media scourging, we of course must insist she be fully removed from the congregation of the faithful, cast into the abyss of irrelevance, where there is much wailing and gnashing of teeth. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend! Finally, our strongest praise this week is reserved for Secretary of State Antony Blinken for authoring a memo instructing the roughly 69,000 workers in the State Department that they should strive to use gender-neutral language in all of their activities. The memo, titled, quote, Modeling DEIA, Gender Identity Best Practices, end quote, lays out a wide variety of suggestions for promoting diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. The new acronym to replace the less inclusive DEI, which is so last week, it tells recipients to avoid gendered language such as mother or father, ladies and gentlemen, son or daughter, husband or wife, you guys, and of course, manpower. And to replace phrases like brave men and women on the front lines with more category-specific references like brave first responders, brave soldiers, or, my personal favorite, brave Department of State agents. The memo also teaches such core truths as that gender identity is a person's, quote, innermost concept of self as a masculine, feminine, blend of both or neither, which may or may not correspond with one's sex assigned at birth, end quote. It explains that the most commonly used pronouns are she, her, he, him, they, them, and zezer. Also reminding people that any pronouns a person selects for themselves represent a personal decision that should be respected. It also instructs people to not pressure others to state their pronouns and to react to mispronouncing offenses with subtlety and grace. Now, although we know that Secretary Blinken is trying to create a kinder, gentlerer culture at the State Department, we think his encouragement for the victims of pronoun violence to simply take the punch and respond with patience represents a significant and unacceptable level six microaggression. Why should the innocent person who suffers pronoun battery in the workplace not be entitled to stand their ground, act in self-defense, and prosecute the offender to the fullest extent of the HR? We find in general that fear and intimidation are far more effective tools of this gender anarchy revolution than patience and re-education. 
Nevertheless, despite this flaw, the memo is an excellent tutorial for beginners, and as such, we endorse it, mostly. All hail Caesar! Woe unto all who offend! Woe unto all who offend! As you depart today, please consider placing a donation in the colorfully decorated box labeled Causes We Suddenly Care About This Week. Today's collections will provide much-needed sedatives for poor little Timmy Cooper, who was simply minding his own business at the local newsstand, browsing the safe-to-read section, when he happened to catch a glimpse of the Telegraph headline, Men and Women's Brains Do Work Differently, Scientists Discover, for the First Time. Timmy's parents found him two hours later laying in a quivering heap on the sidewalk. He finally came out of his coma yesterday, but they are keeping him sedated until he can be safely detraumatized by a capable psychiatric virtue healer. Refreshments this week are provided by To Helen Backwash, purveyors of fine recycled spit and swill. Years ago, Zachary Miller discovered that by carefully rescuing the liquid contents of discarded plastic water bottles at sporting events, he could repurpose the untreated effluent in them and resell it to eco-conscious consumers in the very same bottles he found it in. To Helen Backwash, on the cutting edge of next-generation salivary recycling, you can really taste other people's mastication. And now, brethren, sistren, and otheren, having been cleansed of these hurtful words, give each other the holy virtue signal and go forth and transgress no more. Hey, 27 here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. Jake's got our traffic for us, which is great right now if you're coming from Milton, right? Oh, yes. Uh, if you're on I-10 westbound, just before the Escambia Bay Bridge, we have an overturned vehicle from earlier. It's really, really slowing things down getting through there. Um, also, Highway 29 southbound, it's very, very tied up right now. We have a two-car accident from earlier just after the on-ramp to I-10 West. The right and center lanes have been blocked. The left lane is the only one that's been moving. So getting on to I-29 uh, or Highway 29 from I-10 is going to be really, really slow in all directions this morning. And from our traffic tip line, traffic on Davis is very, very slow before airport. Uh, accident in the right lane is backing up uh, Davis really, really badly this morning. If you see anything else out there slowing you down, you can always call or text our traffic tip line. That's 437-1620. I'm Jake Walker with your traffic on the fives. You know, in writing the transgressors, put so much work into finding the things, and I don't fabricate them. They really are stories. And then write, and then it's the Helen backwash that people <laughs> Yeah, it's just funny. (laughs) That's the part they like the best. It cracks me up, though. I'm glad to make you laugh a little bit on your way to work. Uh, Let's see. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? Well, Russia's being warned by the U.S. to not deploy a nuclear space weapon. Boy, that's a scary phrase, isn't it? Nuclear space weapon. Mm. Uh, The Wall Street Journal reports officials privately warned Russia that deploying a nuclear anti-satellite weapon would violate the Outer Space Treaty and jeopardize U.S. national security interests. Uh, the warning comes after the Republican chairman of the House Call Intelligence Committee. Dad, you're on the air, Dave. <clears throat> Jake. <laughs> after the uh, Republican chairman of the House Intelligence Committee called on President Biden to declassify information about a threat. Uh, speaking of Russia, more than 500 new sanctions against Russia now being announced by President Biden. He says those sanctions will target in- individuals connected to Alexei Navalny's imprisonment. And uh, Beyonce getting a congratulations message from Dolly Parton for reaching number one on the country charts with her new song. Texas. 
Dolly posted her message on Instagram yesterday saying she's a big fan of Beyonce and excited that she's done a country album. Oh, that's cool. I like to hear that. And by the way, the uh, the story about the you know nuclear weapon in outer space, uh, I'd be more concerned about it except that it's you know from Russia. And judging by their inability to function supply lines in a war or keep their planes flying and defend their ships against, you know, drone subs from Ukrainians, I don't know. I'm not sure how much of a threat they really are these days. Yeah, that's fair. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. President Biden marks two years tomorrow since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, announcing more than 500 new sanctions, some over the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny in prison. The tranche is being billed as the most crushing single round of sanctions yet, intended to close some gaps in the sanctions that Russia has so far been able to evade, particularly with respect to Russia's defense sector. Fox's Jackie Heinrich. Former President Trump's attorneys are asking a Florida federal court to dismiss criminal charges for keeping classified documents, arguing he designated the records as personal and is immune from prosecution. The National Archives has said it's clear the kind of records he kept were not personal and they should have been in the custody of the archives. Trump's attorneys also say the attorney general unlawfully appointed Jack Smith as special counsel and that the Constitution's appointment clause doesn't give him that power. Fox's Jessica Rosenthal, that trial is currently scheduled to start in May. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 831 at News Radio 92365 and cloudy in Pensacola. Well, breaking this morning, looks like a large great white great white shark has now washed up on Navarre Beach, about 13 feet is what they're saying. South Santa Rosa News is uh, has posted a video of this huge shark. Uh, they report that it appears as though it may be pregnant. Paige Douglas from Gulf World Marine Institute, officials from Navarre Beach Fire Rescue are at the scene right now and we'll let you know as soon as we learn any more about this of course you can see the full video online south santa rosa news sharing it uh, we've now shared their video on our facebook page as well if you'd like to find that the investigation into the beating death of an elderly couple on greenbrier boulevard continues today it started yesterday when escambia county deputies went to a home for a welfare check Family members said they hadn't heard from the couple in several days. Oh, very sad. Yes, it, it's upsetting to know that that happened to two such nice people, and and I, I feel very bad about it. And uh, that's one of the couple's neighbors who talked with Channel 3 yesterday. The sheriff's office does say one person of interest, the couple's 24-year-old grandson, is in custody. He's been identified as Jordan King so far. Uh, no charges have been filed. Escambia County's administrator confirming that there was a meeting this week with at least a portion of EMS employees that have called for changes in leadership. Now, this uh, it was, relates to about two weeks ago when their union sent a letter to county commissioners calling for EMS Chief David Torcell and Chief, Deputy Chief Christopher Stevens to be removed due to what they were calling a toxic work environment. Wes Moreno says he and Assistant Administrator Debbie Bowers were at the meeting this week. They left three pages of notes, and then yesterday Ms. Bowers spent all day long over EMS. I spent some time with HR and with finance, and uh, I've got HR doing some audits of some things there at EMS, some accusations that are made, or allegedly accusations, and so, you know, as I said, you got to go through these things, and what can be validated, it can be validated. And if it can't, then it can't. Moreno says there are more times on the schedule to meet with EMS employees in the coming days. They have a goal of meeting with all of their road crews. 
Well, the bill changing how we drive is a little bit closer to becoming law now. The state Senate yesterday passing a bill which would make it illegal to travel in the left-hand lane on roads with a 65-mile-an-hour or higher speed limit. Under HB 317, you'd only be able to use the left lane if you are actively passing another vehicle. That law will not apply to emergency vehicles. The bill passed the House last week. Now it just needs the governor's signature to become law. If he signs it, it would take effect on January 1st. And Governor Ron DeSantis, well, reportedly doesn't have a lot of interest in being Donald Trump's running mate. The New York Post and NBC News reporting yesterday on a phone call that Governor DeSantis had with his supporters. DeSantis reportedly uh, said he did not plan on being on the ticket with Donald Trump. It is 835 at News Radio 92.3. And Jake Walker's got a look at our traffic on the fives. This traffic report is brought to you by Discover. If you're on Highway 29 southbound this morning, it's really, really slow going through there. Two-car accident just after the on-ramp to I-10 West. The right and center lanes have been blocked, so the left lane is the only one that's moving at the moment. Also, we have an overturned vehicle. This is going to be I-10 westbound just before the Escambia Bay Bridge coming out of Milton this morning. Got things really, really slow there. Also, uh, from our traffic tip line here, uh, Davis Highway just before Airport Boulevard. We have an accident in the right lane backing things up going southbound if you see anything else out there slowing you down you can always call or text our traffic tip line that's 437-1620 discover wants everyone to feel special with live 24 7 customer service learn more at discover.com slash credit card limitations apply i'm jake walker with your traffic on the fives Light showers possible through the morning hours. Temperatures warming up near 72 degrees in the afternoon. Rain showers come to an end by the afternoon. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 46. Beautiful and sunny weather for Saturday with a high near 68 degrees. Saturday night, temperatures dropping near 44. We'll keep sunny skies around for Sunday with a high near 66 degrees and a low near 55. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Warning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Warning Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. 65 in Pensacola, 64 in Gulf Breeze, and 66 now in Milton. Your money now. The markets are up at the opening bell today. The Dow's up 103.57 at 39.172.68. S&P 500 is up 1975 at 51.06.11. The Nasdaq up 80.34 at 16.121.96. Ten-year bond rate today down a bit at 4.31%. Gold price is up 440 at 2035.10. Silver price is down a penny though at uh, 22.76. And Bitcoin down 764.65 this morning at 51.103.18. There's new study that says the top 20 airlines made over 30 billion dollars just from baggage fees last year. That new report by IdealWorks Consulting Firm says the top airlines around the world raked in billions from fees for carry-on bags, price hikes for checked luggage, and fines for overweight suitcases. The study says that amount was up from $29 billion in 2022 and accounted for about 4% of airline revenue last year. Google now putting its Gemini AI image generator on hold after it Produced what the company's calling inaccurate historical images, users complained about instances such as Gemini returning requests for images of the founding fathers as people of color. Other images included a female Catholic pope and black Vikings. The tech giant says it's working on improving the depictions immediately. Google added an updated version of the image uh, generator will be released soon. 
And speaking of generative AI, filmmaker Tyler Perry halting the expansion of his film studio over concerns about it. Perry has been planning an $800 million expansion of his Atlanta studio, but in a new interview Thursday, he said those plans are on hold because of what he's seeing from the new Sora video generator from OpenAI, which creates realistic videos from text instructions. He told The Hollywood Reporter, there's got to be some sort of regulations or I just don't see how we survive. Perry said he's not against AI, but he's worried about people in the film industry losing their jobs. I'm Michael Kastner. And we're... It is 8.38, our next news at 9, breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne for News Radio 92.3. Ready for intelligent and thought-provoking conversation? Tune in to The Guy Benson Show on News Radio Pensacola. Weekdays from 2 till 4 p.m. on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Guy Benson, the brilliant and charismatic host, brings you a fresh perspective on the biggest stories of the day. Guy keeps you engaged and informed. Don't miss out on the intellectual thrill ride. Tune in to The Guy Benson Show on News Radio Pensacola from 2 till 4 p.m. It's the show that'll challenge your thinking and leave you wanting more on News Radio Pensacola. I will definitely call you back later then. Come on, wrap it up. Big sharp it up. Okay, you know what? Wrap up the circle thing. Come on. Commissioner Parker, wrap it up, please. Okay. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. And before we get to my guest, I do want to let you know, uh, South Santa Rosa News is reporting that there is a 13-foot great white shark that has washed up on Navarre Beach, and they're dealing with that this morning. The video is up on our Facebook page if you want to see for yourself. But, um, you know, just uh, FYI, the things that happen. You know, it's their home, not ours. Um, joining me here in studio today, we have uh, Charles Thornton, who is the vice chair at the Escambia County Republican Executive Committee and a re- repeat offender here on The Rep. Charles, welcome. Oh, welcome. I am so glad to be back. <laughs> it's good to have you. And Andy Terhar, another repeat offender who, uh, you know, former city council member, works at uh, Terhar Cronley and, you know, just just, just working commentator. <laughs> Mayoki. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, also Mayoki. Uh, officer this year? Uh, well, the head of the new court. So the okay. new court, there's a new court every year. So we're, right. we're, fair in, enough, char- fair we're in charge of them. Um, Malcolm Young Jim. <laughs> You you were on city council before the $750,000 decision, which had kind of come up this week. Uh, I assume you've been kind of following this story and you're well aware of the gym. And, uh, you know, you sat on council, but you weren't on this council making this decision. What did you think of the discussion and the decision to demolish the gym? That Now the temporary restraining order was denied by Judge Rodrojovich. So it looks like the demolition will proceed. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was disappointed they're going to demolish it. I think it's got a lot of history. And plus, it can really serve a great purpose for the city. You know, when I was on council, my big thing was I, I didn't think the city should be in the real estate business. So, you know, instead of demolishing it and trying to redevelop it and something else, if they're going to build another gym, that's great, but I don't think they are. So I, I would have been more apt to say, hey, let's sell it the way it is and let somebody else either fix it up or do something else with it. So that, that would have been my two cents if I was still in there. Okay, yeah, and I mean, we certainly have seen uh, uh, inability to fi- finish the development of projects. I mean, the obvious examples of the Pensacola Tech Park, uh, which is not a city property, but still. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Maritime Park and, you know, Old Stinky, all that stuff. But then we have other examples like, you know, it's kind of a stark one. I, I, I saw it the other day when I was driving past it. The Coca-Cola building right. looks amazing right. mm-hmm. across the street from the medical facility. That looks like they just got done filming, uh, you know, a Halloween movie in it, and they're literally across the street from each other. And 
I know single purpose medical facilities are a lot harder to renovate and reuse, but still, that's um, it's interesting to see some of those contrasts, Charles. Uh, yeah, I um, the the, the uh, individual that's in charge of uh, the old Coca Cola building, she came and spoke at the. Uh, it's been about two or three years ago, and spoke at at one hour rotary meetings, and uh, she, that was a lot of input. You know, a lot of donations. There was a mm-hmm. lot of planning, and a, and a lot that went into that. So. If you want to get one of those buildings, especially the historical type, you're going to have to do a, go out and get grant money, you know, oh, yeah. shake the local community, uh, uh, get state funding and all that kind of stuff. So uh, a lot of the and, – and, and speaking of Malcolm Young, I, I grew up with Malcolm Young, and a lot of the – it was really a, a great building. But I think with the city and their vote, and I'm all for historical type buildings and the folks that came before the council, I think it was a matter of uh, the city, would they have had – the funds to do a uh, to continuously because mm-hmm. once you get it, you, you either got to rebuild or you got to go in and complete to do the infrastructure. It's a double edged sword for me, so I just I just kind of count on the wisdom of the council and the uh, mayor. But I would love to have seen it stay up with renovation. But where would the funding had came from? I don't think the uh, I may be wrong, but I'm not sure that the, uh, the the groups that came forward would have been able to maintain a particular. In their capacity, they are constantly raising funds to, to promote and, and keep their own particular uh, thing going, their right. own grants going. And yeah, the you know th- things like the the Coke Building, for example. I mean, it's you know like Amir Falati. I know he you know he did the restoration of the old uh, you know the yeah. gas station, and it takes not just somebody who they got to be able to get the money. It's going to take a lot. It's got to be a passion project. Somebody's <laughs> got to care about it. And we want more of that. It's a beautiful thing when it happens. And yet, I, you know, I mean, I think the reality is we can't keep it all. We want to keep it all. You know, I would have I, I, I would have loved to keep a slice at least of the Hallmark School, but that obviously did not happen. You know, and, you know, you hate to see these things go away. But when they get neglected for so long and they're in such bad shape, it really is a question of, well, how much money do we have? How much money are we willing to devote to restoring and preserving these things And we, when we don't have grant money necessarily to cover the cost of it? And what else do people want us to do with our governmental money, right? I mean, that's that's the question. Yeah, it's always a balancing act. You never know if uh, spending money on one thing is going to upset some people and not spending all money on something else is going to upset someone else. So, yeah, you got to make those decisions. And so, you know, I think they – and I like the idea that they, they made a decision and they're sticking with it. That's 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 something that, you know, sometimes in government you see where someone is teetering on and they won't make it and they're kind of right. floundering around. But, you know, D.C. seems pretty good about saying, hey, no, we're doing this. This is what we're doing. And, and, you know, and, and I actually, you know, because they've started the petition process, I think I would have favored uh, – you know, let's just wait on the demolition and give them a chance to see if they can raise their 4,000 signatures. I don't know if he's going to, he seemed to indicate that they were going to proceed with the demolition regardless, but he didn't want to comment on it too much because it was a legal proceeding. But now the TRO has been denied. You know, even if you have the right to do something, it doesn't mean that there's not maybe a even more inclusive or grace-based way to approach something. And, you know, I know he wants to demolish it, but I still kind of hope that he'd give him time to get the signatures even if that's not the answer he supports, that's the process, you know. But I also get he doesn't want to let every judgment of city council be overturned by a threat of a petition, right? Right, right. Yeah, and 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 does the petitions and and I'll, you know I'm just speaking as more so as an analyst mm-hmm. than than a political person. But but even if you get the petitions, does those petitions equate to funding? You probably also right. need to go out and get 
a backer who can who can kind of guarantee you something. I think I believe that's what the city is saying. If you want it, if you want it, don't just say you and your group because then you got to look at financial yeah. capacity. You, you, when when you commit and when you go to save some of these group uh, historical sites, you need to come up with the uh, uh, funding. The signatures does the signatures does not always equate to funding. Those right. are just people who are passionate about saying it that and, and there's some outside work. No, that's a great point. And that gym, which was the training ground, breeding ground for some very, very successful athletes from this area, people who might theoretically have money, if they, you know, True. if yeah. those people didn't think it was worth putting their money behind saving it, then maybe that's a statement too. And if they want to, then that's also a statement. So that's a, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, it's 846 here on News Radio 92.3. Jake's got traffic on the fives. Well, our major story this morning has been uh, I-10 westbound just before the Scambia Bay Bridge. We had an overturned vehicle earlier that has really slowed things down getting out of Milton. Also south on Davis Highway just before Airport Boulevard, we have an accident reported there backing up the right lane. And in Cantonment at West Kingsfield Road and Fox Quarry Road, we have an accident that just popped up. If you see anything else out there, you can always let us know on our traffic tip line, 437-1620. I'm Jake Walker with your traffic on the fives. Thanks so much, Jake. Back to uh, Charles Thornton and Andy Tahar here for The Wrap. Uh, I think the big statewide news this week has been HB1, the social media ban that's also been melded in with the pornography access age verification requirement that you have to be 18 uh, in order to access adult material online. Um, I've been for this from the beginning, even if it's, you know, riddled with problems and it's going to have legal challenges and it's going to be incomplete enforcement. I just feel like, you know, a hundred years from now or 20 years from now, we're already starting to see some of this is people are going, you let kids do what, you know, <laughs> like I can't. And I, you know, you've got kids, Andy, do your kids do social media? How old are your kids again? I have a 20 year old daughter. Okay. So and, she's, yeah, she's all about social media. And does she have an opinion about this bill or, you know, that you've talked to her? I don't well, know. Well, She's at Auburn right now. So yep. I don't think it's you know, <laughs> going to affect, affect her very much, but yeah, I mean, she, she, we've had discussions with her obviously when she was younger and now her being, a young adult, what now? So I'm, we're kind of letting her make her own decisions. But yeah, I mean, it, it is important to, 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 social media is so new that we don't really know how it's going to affect people long term. And so, you know, it's one of those things where we could wait and see. But if we wait too long, then it could be, you know, the negative effects could be too, too great. So. We have been conducting a massive social experiment with people who did not agree to the experiment, <laughs> not really, and to see what does social media do to kids, their psychological health, their uh, addiction the way they interpersonal communications, all the things that can be influenced by it. And I think an awful lot of us are looking at this and saying, I'm not sure that it's good for adults, but it's definitely not good for kids. And that's, you know, but it's up against the parental rights argument, of course, which is parents should be able to make this decision for their kids, right? Right. And uh, I always, I kind of look at things from a political perspective. And uh, and I look at the votes. It, it came out, uh, the House of the Senate, when it came out overwhelmingly, you know, with the majority of the votes, bipartisan but, for the bill yeah, on both yeah. in both houses. That's right. Yeah, and and the governor was against it. So to me, it it kind of shows a weakening of the uh, uh, governor's power because in the past, prior to the governor actually running for for president, whatever he wanted, he mm-hmm. normally was able to get it by one way or the other. So this is going to be a test, and 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 I'm looking at it from a standpoint. Uh, will this be a test where the House and the Senate uh, will kind of put their own imprint on some of the laws and some of the things that are coming out of the uh, uh, state of Florida? Or will it, will the governor be able to maintain that uh, 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 
status quo that he had. Yeah, that's that's really system. interesting. Both, as you say, from the political perspective of the governor's been the you know basically the gorilla in the room for a, quite a long time now, and now that he's not a presidential candidate, does he still have the kind of power influence that he had before? Uh, you know, the House passed it one hundred six to thirteen. The Senate passed it uh, twenty three to fourteen. Overwhelming in both houses and especially in the house itself you know huge bipartisan majority lots of democrats voting for this bill and so the question now is okay well i mean it kind of seems like the kind of thing the governor would be excited about it seems like the kind of thing he would have advocated before now he's questioning and if he vetoes it as we talked to alex andrade this morning he says you know he's got a veto or sign within seven days and we can always pass it with a two-thirds supermajority that would be interesting to see if governor DeSantis vetoes and gets overridden, yeah. I mean, that's almost like a whole new day in Florida politics. It, it almost seems like the only way out for him is to just let it sit there and automatically become law. But, Not sign but, it, but let it go. It, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he's probably take some type of action. If I'm not a guessing person, but I would I would say he would probably sub, succumb to the uh, support and eventually uh, sign it. I, I, again, I've been very surprised at his reluctance on this because, yeah, yeah. to me, it seems very up his alley as a— conservative social issues activist that you know you know what's what the Dem- what the democrats call culture war issues right um you know it seems like it's very much in in that and vein it, even though it's not it sort of fits with that you know whole process and you know certainly the attacks against social media and media in general and all of that seems to fit with one of the other things that man flash in the pan came and went this week was on monday there was a proposal from i think it was the senate committee to reinstitute the primary runoff process that we used to have in Florida until like 2002. This mm-hmm. is where if you won your partisan primary with a plurality, you know, there's five people in the field and you get 30%, which is top, but not a majority, you would have to go to a you versus next person runoff in order to actually get a majority. Now this is partisan races, so it is primaries and it would cost money. I was a big fan because I, I just, I see these people who get in and they get elected with like 38% of the vote right. in the right. primary because they stuff the field or other people come into the field. And we have county commissioners who are in this position in both counties. And it would apply to all partisan races. I want that. I want a mandate. I want to know who the people really choose picking head to head. Um, I, I favor instant runoff voting or ranked choice voting because it lets you do this in a much more efficient way at the time of the election. But, uh, Andy, you didn't ever run in a partisan election in the city council, but there is a runoff provision for, like, the mayor. You know, last time around we had four people. D.C. got 51% or something like that on the first round, so he won. But, you know, this process of making sure that you get a majority, have a say, I think it's important. What do you think? I think it is. And one clarifier, and I guess um, if the first primary, if the person gets the majority, the majority they're done. They're done. They don't that's have to it. Do that's right. Okay. Uh, no, this I is think, only yeah. a contingency. That's, that's right. I, I think it's a good idea because you do want the majority of people. Because, like you said, if there's six people running and somebody gets, you know, 21%, then, you know, they win. And so it, it just doesn't make sense. And so um, it would cost more money, which is which is an issue sometimes when you're trying to do something like this because, because you know, taxpayers don't want to spend any more money. They don't have to. But, right. Uh, you know, and I, I have to clarify one thing. I I ran for city council twice, and I never won an election because my opponent dropped out the first time, and I ran unopposed <laughs> the second time. So I've never actually won an election. Before. You're so <laughs> yeah, intimidating. Exactly right. Yeah, but no, I, I think the idea of, of, of having a clear cut person that that the majority of the voters want is a good idea. Charles, well, let me make sure I have it right. Um, you're saying that, uh, and and you're saying that if you got. If you got two individuals, no problem. Right. But anytime you have two or more, then whoever 
two or more, then whoever gets the then the top two. If no no if no one get fifty plus one, that's right. Then the top two are going to have to go into a runoff. That's right. So in a, in a, in a, like, so like, for example, coming up this year, we have districts one, three, and five in Escambia County, County Commission of Partisan Race. Um, They're going to run. And if they are in a field in which they have multiple candidates. And so like, for example, if uh, Stephen Berry is running against opponents, let's say there's more than one opponent and he gets 40% of the vote. The next guy gets 25. And then the next person gets, uh, what's the I guess uh, 15 um, or whatever. He didn't get a majority, right. but he got the most of the ones who ran. This would have required him to run again against the number two person and get 51%. If, if, right. if. if no one get 50 plus. That's one. right. And, and and that was in place. I, I remember in, in this particular county and in, uh, uh, in stadium races, and uh, I guess I was overseas or somewhere. I must have <laughs> been Germany when we went away with. When I came back, we were at the point where we are now. I, I think the runoff, it gives the uh, second-tier person, most of the time the uh, – the person that gets the plurality of the majority of the votes end up sometimes winning, but there's a lot of times where that second tier person uh, is able to, to to come up and level the playing field. I see no I see no problem and w- I see no problem with that. The two top tier candidates because it kind of goes on, but I can live with it either way. But I rather I rather have it. I think I rather have it where if if there's a it gives that second person another opportunity. And I always think about it, too, is that, you know, we have so much of a benefit to being the incumbent, right? I mean, there's so much name right. recognition and just the fact that you're in the news, you're interviewed on the air, you have lots of advantages as an incumbent. And so I always think the incumbent ought to face a direct challenge. Right. And that way you don't have the, the claim that, well, I beat all comers. Well, yeah, but did you beat the people who want to vote against you? That's <laughs> the real question. And if all of those people you know, aren't put into one choice versus you, then you don't really know whether the electorate wants you or not. And so it's kind of like you never really get that confidence, no confidence vote that I think elections of an incumbent ought to represent. So that's, anyway, it's not going to happen. It's dead for this year. We're not going to do instant runoff voting or uh, ranked choice voting. It's illegal in the state of Florida, even though I think it ought to be the way we do elections. But, you know, I'm a political scientist and a philosopher and an idealist, and I have my my things I want to see happen, and, yeah, you know, yeah. so we be both, it. We both, yeah. uh, We're talking to uh, Charles Thornton. Uh, from the, He's the vice chair from the Escambia Republican Executive Committee and Andy Terhar uh, here in studio for The Wrap. Jake's got traffic on the fives. All right, I-10 westbound just before the Escambia Bay Bridge. We have that wreck overturned vehicle from earlier still slowing things down there in that area, and 98 westbound through Tiger Point. Very slow from the light at Garcon, and we have an accident right in front of the market. Martial Arts Academy, really slowing things down, getting out of Tiger Point this morning. If you see anything else out there on the roadways, you can always call or text our traffic tip line. That number is 437-1620. I'm Jake Walker with your traffic on the fives. Thanks so much, Jake. Uh, Okay, one of the other things that has been, I mean, you know, Alabama, not Florida this time, made national news this week as the state Supreme Court issued a ruling declaring that under existing law, this wasn't like fabricating law, this is under existing law in Alabama, a fertilized egg, an embryo, in you know, sort of the allegorical petri dish at the reproductive clinic that's doing IVF. Uh, some of them got destroyed. There was a lawsuit, and the Supreme Court ruled that that is legally a person entitled to the same treatment protections and penalties of destroying a person. And this has made international news. It's been the big story on that front and in the pro-life cause for you know the last several days since this happened. I'm an avid pro-lifer. I'm a devout pro-lifer. I very much believe that babies in the womb are still people. But even I find my – and logically, yes, DNA, there's nothing that fundamentally changes a group of cells, an embryo from a person. But even I find this one a hard 
it's a difficult limit to really push that far. Thoughts, Andy? Well, yeah, that's that's the end of discussion. You know, where does life begin? And 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 you know, in a petri dish, trying to get someone to, to who's do I I I is IVF. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. That's that's something where that person is is trying to. You know they're having issues, obviously, with conceiving a natural baby, and so they they want ha- they want to jumpstart the process. But if you make seven and you only end up using three, and and which is what normal, you, yeah, which, or more what, numbers, what, what right? You, yeah, what do you do with the ones that are left over? I I, I don't know. That's a very, uh, I think they're reaching a little bit, but that seems like an an, an odd situation for for the Supreme Court to, to rule on and go, no, no, that's an actual person. Well, here again, I, I'm always thinking politics, so. Uh, when I want to look at that, that may work in Alabama. You know, that may work in Alabama. So the Supreme Court pushed everything back down to the state. I'm pro-life, but I do look at the pro-life and, and, and look at where that can be some exception. I look at the, uh, I get into the uh, trimester type thing and mm-hmm. make sure that we're doing certain things. But in other states, Alabama is, is we're probably, you're probably not going to, Folks over there, I was born in Dothan, by the way, but but Alabama, probably not that it it probably will work in Alabama unless somebody turn it over. It's for, from a political standpoint, yeah, it won't probably won't work in some of these other states. So that Alabama has its challenges, and I would say to some of the other states, you may not want to go that far or some of the other places because that's a political move on right. their part. So you got it. You got to make sure that whatever you do when it comes to abortion. And it, may, and it may play this year because the push is going to be to portray all Republicans as radical pro-lifers. Look at what they did in Alabama. This is why you got to vote Democrat. That's right. That's, that's how the play going to You're listening to News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Gulf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.